Hello, and welcome back to the Adam B and Adam G NBA podcast. Astonishingly, back a short seven days after our live podcast. We're very proud of ourselves. Uh, let's get right into it. I uh, want to introduce my co-hosts, the good fella himself, the Macedonian Australian Marvel. It's Adam G. G'day, Adam G. Good afternoon, Adam B. Afternoon. Uh, very excited. Um, I know it's only 10 days or nine days into the season, but it feels like uh, we have too many storylines to even cover in a short little podcast. It's been a very dramatic opening to the season, I have to admit. A lot's going on. It feels a long time since uh, your tears about Gordon Hayward. I, yeah, I don't think I ever confirmed with you that, that I cried, but yeah, there was some tears and it does feel like a very long time ago because so much shit has gone down. Um, so let's fly right into it. After an entire 82-game regular season and playoffs of a coach in the NBA a head coach, not losing his job, it took just three days for Phoenix to fire their head coach. Um, after a disastrous start, Earl Watson is out. I think it was the worst three-game start by points differential in NBA history. So uh, the streak is broken at MG. And he, he should have been fired based on the way they started. And I'm actually glad that the Suns took action and didn't waste any time. And look, the signs of, I know there have been some uh, calls very quickly about some poor leadership and poor management in the front office of the Suns, but the sign of a good management team or good leaders is when you make a mistake, you accept it straight away and you move on or you try and fix it. Yeah, and they did both, uh, and they did both uh, both very quickly, as you said. I think they lost by 50-something points on opening night to the Trailblazers uh, at home, uh, which is just unforgivable. I don't know how that can possibly happen. Yeah, and either that's, from what people have speculated, being players not playing for their coach, um, or that is also possibly just being completely outcoached or not physically ready. Uh, there are plenty of reasons that that could be there. We won't necessarily find out. Or we won't necessarily know. Uh, but what we do know is they weren't ready to start the season, and that is an embarrassment. Another thing we do know that happened just before Earl Watson was fired is that Eric Bledsoe tweeted, I don't want to be here. Uh, now, that got a shit ton of retweets, and I think it was only a matter of like eight or 12 hours later that Earl Watson was fired. Bledsoe hilariously tried to backpedal and was saying that, you know, he was actually talking about the barber, like the hair salon. I don't want to be here at the barber, uh, but the <laughs> Mysterious Sons GM wasn't buying that, and Eric Bledsoe is being shopped hard right now. Uh, and they've said he's not going to play for the Suns again. There were reports that he actually tweeted before, sorry, after they fired him, and that apparently there was, because they both share the same agent, Earl Watson and Eric Bledsoe, Rich Paul. Also LeBron's agent. Also LeBron's agent, and there were rumours that Earl Watson was actually fired, and after being notified of his firing, that is when Eric Bledsoe tweeted out. Um, I would like to find out on when this timeline was because... Wow, because is, is it like Eric Bledsoe was a Earl Watson uh, fanatic, an Earl Watson yeah. loyalist? Yeah, and whether he was on his side and with the coach or whether he was really didn't want him there, but... The way it looks to me is it would make more sense if he's tweeting that after Earl Watson's fired because he's pissed off that his friend or someone he likes is now out right? and he's not his coach. And then because he liked the coach more and the management team, the front office clearly didn't want Earl Watson there anymore, that now they're getting rid of Eric Bledsoe. Well, we do know that Eric Bledsoe will go. Where he'll land is, a, is an interesting question, and this is kind of the dilemma that Cleveland found themselves in, right? 
after it gets yeah. out, and, and the same with the Pacers, with Paul George, after it gets out that a player doesn't want to be in a city, that team loses so much leverage in negotiations and ends up getting, what, like 50 cents on the dollar for the trade that's going to have to happen now that this guy said, I don't want to be uh, a part of the Phoenix Suns. Yeah, and you put yourself in a poor point in regards to leverage as the Suns um, because everyone knows that, quote from Ryan McDonough, the Suns general manager, Bledsoe won't be with us going forward. Mm. Um, And there are so far, we've heard rumours about the Knicks who have absolutely nothing to offer to both cover the salary and at least appease the Suns a little bit. Um, and the other interesting trade rumour from Woj was the also the possibility of the Milwaukee Bucks uh, trading for Eric Bledsoe. Mm. And you assume that Phoenix would want one of Milwaukee's many, many very talented young players in return for Eric Bledsoe. I'm not sure how that could be realistic, but they have got a gluttony of really good young players, I have to admit. Yeah, and I would imagine that Malcolm Brogdon, Rookie of the Year from last season, Mm. uh, would be included in that deal. And based on the way the Bucs have set up and their roster, it wouldn't be a bad fit because this is also the same guard, Eric Bledsoe, that back when he was the backup or the the third-choice guard on the Clippers behind Chris Paul, and when he would come on with that second unit, other teams would barely be able to get the ball across half court. He's long, he's strong, he's fast. And when he used to be locked on and used to actually give a shit about defense, uh, he was an awesome all-round guard. Yeah, I think any team would be spoiled to have him as like a backup point guard, like right off the bench, six minutes into the first quarter. That would be a good luxury to have. I'll be interested to see where he ends up. Now, speaking about giving a shit on defense... Uh. <laughs> Am I thinking? I, I know where you're. I know which where you're going with this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, is it, is it the former Bulls guard and almost uh, player of the season last year? Legendary former Bulls guard Dwayne Wade has just taken yeah, taken one for the team, taken a bullet, made a grown man move. Of course he has. A yeah. huge PR win. Dwayne Wade has put up his hand and gone to to Ty Lu and said, you know what, maybe, just maybe, I shouldn't be starting over J.R. Smith. Yeah, of course, that is exactly what happened. It's not, it's not as though there's some other player orchestrating every move the team makes behind the scenes and that Ty Lu and mysterious, faceless, nameless Cavs GM don't have anything. Yeah, we still don't know his name. No, we don't know his name. No interest in his name. No. No, so... Dwayne, made, Dwayne Wade made a uh, completely autonomous decision uh, and ch- chose to start on the bench, correct? Correct. Yeah, that's absolutely correct. Uh, Dwayne Wade is the unselfish leader uh, as part of the Cavs organization and wants to have less of a name and less of a strong finish to his career. Um, but look, in positive news for the Cavs, uh, in his first game as a starter, J.R. Smith went one for nine. And that's what you want to see. He loves the yeah. mid-range. He loves the pull-ups. And also, in the first game that Dwayne Wade came off the bench, the Cavs managed to lose to Brooklyn. Yes, yeah, so it's all working, I guess. It's all, it's all it's coming up roses here. They look great. They totally give a shit. Uh, and they're locked in. That's what we like to see. Yeah, I mean, when your when your reason is that they wanted to insert Smith into the first unit to bring some much needed outside shooting to space the floor, I'm not sure a player shooting 12% from the three point line and shooting five five threes a game like Jr. is is increasing your ability to shoot from distance. Um, maybe maybe I mean, let's just yeah. let's just pause the sarcasm for one second. I got to give a quick shout out to uh, point guard LeBron, 29 yes. points, 10 rebounds, 13 assists. That's, uh, that's gorgeous. Four blocks to go with that as well. I like that. Yeah, and I know he's occasionally resting on defense, which is his right, um, but 
how how can he do this? How can he just turn up to another season and through five games be playing 38 minutes a game, hitting career numbers from three, uh, almost at 10 assists, and he's back up to even above his career average of 27.1 points per game, and he's gone above that already these first five games. He remains absolutely astonishing. There's no way to hate on this guy. He's unbelievable to watch, and it's 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 amazing that season after season, he just makes his teammates look like shit. Like I don't really <laughs> believe like there's something wrong with his teams in that every single time um, he goes to the bench, doesn't matter whether it's 2017, 18, or 2013, 2014, his teams collapse without him. Um, what you're saying is instead of the best player making his teammates look better, this is LeBron is actually so good that he makes his teammates actually look worse. Like much worse. Yeah, that's what, yeah. that is what I'm saying. So he's too good, whereas most good players around the league make all their teammates better. Well, if we, if we pull over to the Western Conference and ask ourselves what is going on with Golden State, the one guy, give a shit. the one guy, well, the one guy who gives a shit is Nick Young. But if you watch the end of the game last night, they um, they came so close to losing to Toronto, and again, they shouldn't have come anywhere near close to losing. Uh, Toronto's to jacking up threes and taking their usual weird mid-range jumpers and yeah. turnarounds and Demar stuff, and uh, I don't know, like they are actually they've made themselves boring to watch because they've got so lazy. Yeah, they have. Um, but they are currently ranked 21st on defense, I think, in terms of net defensive rating, apparently. Wow. Wow. And yet they are still outscoring opponents on the offensive end by ridiculous numbers because they are that talented. Uh, what else did we see this week? We saw Ben Simmons, the Sixers' actually most exciting rookie of the season. Sorry, Markel. Ben Simmons put up a triple-double in like his third game and he's putting up beautiful numbers. He looks strong. He looks quick. He looks like a guy that's been playing in the league for two or three years and I'm so reluctant to give any credit to the 76ers medical Mm. team, but that guy missed the whole season last year and he rocked up um, in his do-over rookie year and he's looking great. Yeah, and 21 points... Uh, 10 assists, 12 rebounds, and I love that he just snuck in that last, that 10th assist uh, towards the end of the fourth quarter. Um, But it's not something to be overlooked, the fact that in his, what was it, his fourth game in his career? Right. uh, Yeah, fourth game in his career, he managed a triple-double against a should-be-better-than-mediocre Detroit squad. Yeah, and a Detroit Pistons uh, squad that's meant to be tougher on defense and more of a snarly lockdown kind of Detroit Pistons. So yeah, and we off. look at a lot of rookies. A lot of rookies start their careers off uh, relatively slow, and we have to give them a little bit of leeway or have a little bit of patience for them because we know there are going to be ups and downs, and um, they need some time to adjust. And summer league is not any way going to help them adjust in terms of the pace of the game, no, or the physicality, no. Nah. Um, and the way he managed to just, he just looked and there was one play and I think it was in the first quarter with about nine minutes to go in the first, first quarter against Houston in a recent game that they just lost 104, 105. Mm, And a good game. They lost it on the buzzer. Yeah. And it's not a massive thing, but he gets the ball at the top of the key with the shot clock running down and... He manages to go one-on-one, and he's going one-on-one, I think, against Clint Compella, who's got his arms up, defending well, physically pushed into Ben Simmons, and he still managed to finish, finish a floater with contact and no foul call. And I just saw something like that and thought that that's the kind of stuff that a rookie, he crumbles with that kind of physicality, yeah. or he waits for the foul call, or... Something goes wrong. But he was managed to just finish the play in a way that 
uh, a veteran would. That's right. Yeah, I was like, impressed. We all know he's got he's got great length about him, but what I didn't realize yeah. is that he's so strong, and he is finishing with contact, and he just got that body of a guy that looks like he's been in the league for three or four years. You often see players yeah. coming a bit stringy, or if they're muscular, they're a bit too slow and they're not fit enough. But Simmons looks legit, and I actually think straight up we could say at this point that he would have won Rookie of the Year last year if he was out in the court. He looks spectacular. Yeah, and um, I guess then we have to look forward to um, can this guy hit not necessarily, and we'll get on to the uh, possible MVP candidate later, but can this guy with a similar body type and similar game hit the sort of heights that Giannis hit last year? Yeah. I think uh, I think he's something to watch, and just the same way that we can give him props for coming out ready and prepared, we have to I think gloss over the uh, the cataclysmic shit show that has been Mark Elfultz's first week in the NBA. Um, yeah. the, I don't think it's even worth getting into the weeds on this one because it's such a stupid PR story. But yeah. um, for those who missed it, Fultz has basically looked like his jump shot is broken. Uh, at various points, people have said that, oh, he's, look, he's changed, he changed his jump shot over the off-season or he's adjusting to a shoulder injury he incurred. Then his agent came out this week and said, no, he's had fluid drained from his shoulder. He can't lift his shoulder above his, like, lift up his shoulders to form a regular jump shot. And then he took back that statement and said, no, no, he's getting cortisone injections and it's actually fluid being injected to his shoulders. Either way, it's just a hot mess. Um, and I think it's supremely unfair on Fultz. But also I'm extremely happy that Boston traded the one pick. Yeah, and I'm I'm usually quite patient with rookies and young players and understanding that, as I said before, they'll have ups and downs. But this is a, this is a big down at the moment. It's a big down. And I'm worried. Yeah, it's it's ugly. That's the problem. It's not like it's bad. It's not like he's making mistakes. It is every part of his game is ugly. And he, I don't know, does he fit into the fat? Is he fat or fit fat? Oh, my God. He is a, a wonderful fat or fit candidate. And for those listeners who aren't familiar with fat or fit, Essentially, these are those players who are, yes, professional multi-million dollar athletes getting paid to be fit, but who nonetheless, because of their body types or body weight composition, could also just look plain old fat. So for many years, I grappled with this uh, as Jared Salinger was a Celtic, classic fat or fit. Glenn Big Baby Davis may be a little bit more obvious which way he went. Yeah. Um, but we see this. Like, you know, sometimes Draymond is a bit of fat or fit. Uh, yeah. And that's why basketball refs wear black and white stripes, not hoops. That's because correct. Because a lot of them are overweight. Anyone who plays down at MSAC or anywhere casual, um, they are, for the majority, overweight. And those stripes just make, um, make you question whether they are actually maybe fit. And that's the mystery. That's the game. Marco Fultz, I have a strong feeling, Adam G, we can pencil him in for a perennial fat or fit candidate. Every single year. Yeah, he's a lock. Well, we're giving a shout out to Markel. Get better soon. And oh my God, the 76ers need to fix, number one, their PR team, because this messaging yes. is a hot mess. They've done nothing to control the message. And number two, what's going on with their medical team? If this guy can't lift his shoulders up, and take a fucking free throw, he's out there looking like an idiot, his confidence is shot. I mean, put him on the sideline. That's fine. Like, you've, you've done this before with the rookies. You've wrapped him up for the season yes. or for half a season. You know how to do this. You yeah. know this game. Like, why risk his confidence? Why make him look like an idiot and risk further injury? I don't get it. It's just a dumbass I don't understand move. either. Dumbass Yeah, move, this right? is, as you said, this is the team who's kept two former first-rounders out for a year. Two number What's one picks. going on? That's right. Yeah. They know this. I don't know, man. Markel's got the short end of the stick. I, I'm not cool with this, but also I'm very glad we got Jason. Oh, and oh, this will be the beginning of Brian Colangelo getting fired and the beginning of my absolute lock Philadelphia 76 is under 41 and a half wins. 
that that's looking like a pretty sure bet. I think they've started one Seriously. and four. Yeah. 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 GM Brian Colangelo. He's yeah. he's just come in, written on the the history of or the recent history of success in the draft, and he's obviously not doing something right. Uh, or hired the wrong people or whatever, and this will just be the beginning, and it won't be long this season or next before someone wants to get rid of him. Shout out to Sam Hinkie. Yes, shout out to Sam Hinkie. Sam Hinkie died for this. He did. Another... All right, can we get on to the, uh, a little bit more positive news because uh, Marco Fultz does make me sad. Yeah, I'm really like, um, bummed out right now. Um, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind talking, talking about... Um, those Spurs, those uh, those for some reason undefeated Spurs, are they still? They're four and zero somehow. Yep, they're top of the West. Yep, they won again today. They have yep. no Tony Parker. They have no, no Kawhi Leonard, and no Kawhi. Somehow, and this is something that I think many people thought was beyond Greg Popovich. Somehow, they have brought back from the dead, revived, resuscitated, reanimated LaMarcus Aldridge. He's alive. He's, he's back, yeah. I thought he was dead. I thought he was dead in the water. I thought Pop had blown the game plan and misused this guy terribly to the point where his confidence was shot and he'd never be the player he was again. But fuck, LMA is back. It looks good. So hats off to the Spurs. You're still doing it out there, Pop. I don't know when. Like, I underestimate them every season. Every season. Every season they're an afterthought. Every season there's someone sexier. Um, There's someone with a new superstar. But regular season Spurs are legit. And they will continue yeah. to be legit. And still, Rudy Gay off the bench, hitting another 22 points in their win over Miami. Um, I, like, I like Rudy Gay on the Spurs. I really like that because yeah. I think you can't get away with being a chucker on the Spurs. And if you take only the good parts of Rudy Gay's game, it's a really nice game. Yeah, and we, we often get stuck into uh, looking for holes or looking for weaknesses or looking for criticism of players. And sometimes um, we should just talk about or think about what that player does well and appreciate what they do well. And Rudy Gay does volume shooting very well. He does volume shooting almost better than anyone. And you know what's another little secret uh, thing about the Spurs is they are very long. Are they? There is a lot of length on that team. From Jante Murray, who has started the season brilliantly, Second season in, and he's filling the void of uh, Tony Parker very well. Danny Green, another six 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 seven guard. Kyle right. Anderson, another six seven six eight guard. Uh, sorry, forward. And then a front line of Rudy Gay, LMA, and Pau Gasol. And you still have Manu and Kawhi coming off the bench. They have a lot of length, which you don't often associate with the Spurs. No, you don't. Um, so, uh, look, they remain a very pleasant surprise. I'm sorry, again, for I think the fifth season in the row for underestimating you, Pop. Um, keep it up. And, man, imagine what happens to this team when Kawhi comes back. Like, they're unbelievable. Their consistency, their continuity from team to team, roster to roster, uh, it's mind-blowing. Yeah, and by the way, this is a team who's conceded only or only allowed 100 points once. And that was in uh, Wednesday's game against Miami when Miami scored a late basket in a 117-100 win. Right. It was exactly 100. Yeah. And we talk about and we still love their ball movement from three years ago, but this is a team who knows how to defend as well. Can we, can we give a, a quick bit of praise as well to the goddamn Memphis Grizzlies? I mean, they're 4-1. and one. They're living their post Zebo life in their best way possible. And also their post Tony Allen life, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And yeah, they are. They've started four and one with a team consisting of like Mario Chalmers, Mike Conley, and Tyreek Evans and Marcus All. Like uh, they they look good. They look fast. And I miss the grit and grind. Ooh, I miss it. Like that was a beautiful team. That was a beautiful era, but results speak for themselves. Yeah, this team is fun. I really like this team. This team is fun. They are winning. They are 
they just seem to know what they're all doing um, and they're organized and it just seems like a team that uh, I was wrong on and will make the playoffs at the moment. Yeah, I did not have them penciled in to be in the playoffs, um, you know, two months ago. No way. Yeah. So let's let's go quickly to our um, weekly Giannis MVP tracker. Um, I raised my, my eyebrows, like jumped off my face earlier this week, and I thought of you instantly, Adam G, when I saw that Giannis is the Vegas favorite for the MVP right now. He's ahead of LeBron, he's ahead of Kawhi, Durant, Westbrook, Harden, Curry, ahead. He's number one. He is the shortest odds to be the, this year's MVP. Unbelievable. Uh, he's bad money, but he's a great pick. I'm not putting any fucking um, money out that. No, no, I'm not putting money no. out that. No. And he just uh, only one hour ago finished uh, off a relatively hard-fought loss against the Celtics. Um, congratulations, Adam B. Another win for you guys. But um, like he 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 didn't play particularly oh, didn't well. And then you look no, up, no. and his stat line's like thirty points. You know, ten yeah. rebounds. Like. He... This is important in the MVP race when nobody, and I mean 0% of this population, will remember this loss to the Celtics. Mm. A loss in the 26th of October to the Celtics will not be in anyone's mind come the end of the season. What it will say is 28 points, 10 rebounds and 7 assists and 3 steals. Mm. And good shooting for it as well. He hit 2, for three, two from uh, 3 from the 3-point line to end the game because they were down big. Yeah, and I was trying to jack up the threes to come back. And they hit them two in a row. Yeah. It looked good. I think once he so, the more yeah. he puts confidence in his jump shot, like look, opposition defenses will be praying that he does not fall in love with his jump shot because once he works that shit out, I don't know how you guard him. I don't like honest yeah. to God. It'll just be a matter of like much like people used to talk about Dirk's fadeaway and his lifted knee and the overall reach he had because of his fadeaway of being like, you know, seven feet five or eight feet. Yeah. It was much like that, he could get to the position where his jump shots are just a matter of make or miss. Like the defender will have no say in whether or not the shot goes in. Yeah, and that's a um, that's what I was uh, getting onto in regards to the the ceiling for Ben Simmons is quite high uh, because you are a six foot ten, six foot eleven, basically ball handler going up against guys five, six, and seven inches shorter than you. Adam G, I have a little bit of trivia for you, if you if you don't mind. It'll only take a Go second. For it. Go for it. Okay. What do these players have in common? Anthony Bennett, Anthony Bennett, Cody Zeller, Alex Len, Trey Burke, Kelly Olenek, and Shabazz Muhammad. What do they all have in common? Wow. Uh, I was initially going to say they'd all had a, a short stint on Michael Jordan's uh, Charlotte Hornets. Um, that's that's not a bad guess. Not a bad guess. But they're not all bigs. No. No, they're they, very eclectic they, range of players. Are they all getting checks and don't deserve to be on an NBA roster? That is true, but that, that is not the answer I'm looking for. What I'm looking what to tell answer? you, Adam G, is that Anthony Bennett, Cody Zeller, Alex Len, Trey Burke, Kelly Olenek, and Shabazz Muhammad were all taken in the 2013 draft, and they were all taken before Giannis Atatakumbo. No. That's horrible. That's that heinous. is fucking appalling. Cody Zeller, Cody Zeller was the four pick. Oh. Yeah. Well... Congratulations to you, Milwaukee Bucks, because all those teams before you managed to absolutely fuck up that draft more than anyone could imagine. <laughs> all right. Well, let's leave our NBA news right there for the week. And we're going to finish up this episode with uh, our top five early season overreaction surprises. Top five surprises, overreaction edition. Adam yeah, G. And the only... Yeah, the only rule that we've had with this is uh, we haven't been able to share notes or share our lists uh, before before compiling. No, they're private. So, they're private. 
are private and your list will be a surprise to me and mine will be a surprise to you. So we'll see how we go. Do you want to begin? I'll begin because I feel like yours might be more surprising than mine. I, I never, okay. I can never top an Adam G research session. I'm not going to try and compete with you on that. Uh, well, my, my number five, uh, and we'll, we'll count down from five to one, but my number five is probably the weakest one on here. So uh, you can go forward anyway. Okay. At number five, my fifth most surprising thing of the season. Drum roll. Is that the New Orleans Pelicans fucking suck? <laughs> like, I I'm shocked. They're one and three, and it looks like they're going to lose again today uh, to the Kings. Demarcus Cousins and Anthony Davis are averaging around fifty five points and twenty five rebounds between them, and they're one and three, and they look bad. Like it's a bad one and three. It's not like oh you know that you know they just can't finish it off at the end of the game or um, they fell asleep for a few possessions or they got some tough calls. No, they look really bad and this experiment does not look good. No, and you know the uh, the one thing that I have seen, which is an interesting uh, stat to impress all the boys and the girls out there, is um, the only team preseason and regular season in nine games who the Pelicans haven't allowed 100 points to, my Chicago Bulls. <laughs> in our third preseason game, <laughs> in the third preseason right. game, right. the New Orleans Pelicans allowed 95 points against the Bulls, who are more interested in breaking each other's jaws and fighting than actually playing basketball. Uh, this Pelicans defense is horrible, and yet somehow Boogie is almost near the top of the block leaders on stats. It's really confusing because Boogie and Davis are like playing exactly how they should be playing. Yeah. Um, they're shooting well, they're rebounding well, but it's not translating to anything meaningful for the team. So they're depressing me. The Chicago Bulls also depress me, but they're depressing me, and that's my fifth most surprising thing so far. At number four. You want me to go with my number five? Oh, you want to go five, five, four, four? Yeah, yeah, we'll see if we match up. Okay, go on. Go with my number five. And I'll only go my number five now because we've already talked about him, but it is Giannis. Mm. And I know we're 10 days in or nine days in, and everyone thinks that they all called Giannis to be the MVP. Um. And there was a chance, but to be doing what he's done so far is absolutely ridiculous. And to do the things he's been doing that efficiently has been absolutely ridiculous. For those who don't know, he's shooting 66% from the floor. And he's not shoot. He's not one of those. He's not a big man shooting four shots a game in the and paint. hitting at a six. Yeah. yeah, in the paint, hitting 66%. He's taking 22 field goals per game and hitting 66% of them. Mm. He's and taking the 10. lead. 8, yeah, 10.8 rebounds, 5.3 assists. He's getting more than a block per game, more than two steals per game. This is a guy who is absolutely dominating every single game he plays. And on top of that, his team is winning. He's actually helping his team win. He's responding in the clutch. He's playing almost 40 minutes per game. Um, I, didn't, I did not expect him to just start the season as the best player in the NBA. No, he's taken the leap. And I don't know, like, could you say that he's, he has like a Durant-like ceiling? Because his jump shot is coming along. He's stronger than Durant. Um, I think he has a better defensive ceiling than Durant, although maybe you can't say that after the NBA Finals last year. But, he, yeah. yeah, he's a legitimate MVP candidate right now, although I still wouldn't yeah. put money on him. And he's a legitimate top 10 NBA player for the next five years, yeah. um, given, you know, good health and, and all that. But uh, I think he deserved to, to be on, our, on my list. Um, and he's my number five. I'd take him over Davis at this point. Yeah. Okay, my number four biggest surprise so far in this very, very young NBA season. <laughs> Bad teams are fun to watch again. Ah. We 
poked so much shit at the Orlando Magic's Indiana Pacers, yes, um, Philly 76ers of the world. We said the East was going to be an absolute garbage fire. But uh, here we are, like a week in. Orlando's technically at the top of the East. And I say technically because it's just so fucked up that they're top of the East and they've beaten Cleveland, as have the Nets. The Nets are sitting cozy as a, as a five seed. They're three and two. Uh, but what's more important than that is that they're all really, really fun to watch again. Like you don't need to switch off the television. Uh, the Nets are the number one offensive team in the NBA, as in they're scoring more than any other team. Uh, now, I believe they're also the worst defensive team, but that's a pretty fun yeah. formula. That's a pretty fun yeah, formula. Yeah, that is fun. Like, we all know that's fun. Like, when we get down to the end of the season, we, we care about defense. But at this stage of the season, let's just treat October, November, and December, all pre-Christmas games, as let's have fun. Yes, I agree completely. And that's my number four. What's your number four? My number four is another fun team and a fun team that we've talked about, but specifically... Grizzlies bench unit. Wow. I absolutely love the Grizzlies bench unit. They nice are bench. probably the yeah, the most fun five uh, I've seen. And I'll go through some of these names you guys will know and some of these names anyone listening might not. Uh, the guards of Mario Chalmers, formerly of the Miami Heat, and Tyreek Evans form a duo of stupid, insane, irrationally confident ball handlers <laughs> who have length and physical traits that can certainly help them. Um, the very bouncy big man, Brandon Wright, who used to play for the Mavs and was an awesome bench player for the Mavs until um, people recently thought that he could be a starter, but he's not quite good enough for more than you know, 10, 15, 20 minutes a game. And... The wings of Dylan Brooks, a rookie, uh, who's all hustle, and Chandler Parsons, who's currently starting on the bench and has been shooting lights out to start the season. And this unit, I absolutely love. They are outscoring every team they go against so far. Uh, and it's a bench unit that complements Mike Conley and Marcus Ole really well. And yeah. I love watching them play. I Good Mario Chalmers can be fun. Good Tyreek Evans can be fun. And they have just enough offense and just enough hustle to be the kind of bench unit that can take you quite a long way in an NBA season. And they can win you a couple of games in the playoffs too. Like I, it, There is some sort of particular joy you get from watching a bench unit that has the right chemistry and who all know their roles and who spend half the game on the bench just like being clowns and kind of team building yeah. and the other half kind of like bringing your team back from a huge deficit or, you know, going on a little run of their own. I, you got to love that. Yeah, absolutely. And they're my favorite bench unit and probably my favorite five for probably my five favorite five man unit in the league at the moment. <clears throat> All right. My third biggest surprise uh, of the young NBA season. And I actually have to correct myself. Uh, from earlier. So the the Brooklyn Nets are the number one offensive team in the NBA, but they're not the worst defensive team. Oh, okay. And this is one of my biggest surprises so far because the worst defensive team in the NBA is coached by a defensive-minded coach. They have... Oh a young superstar with all the length and defensive tools you could hope for to anchor a defense. And they brought in another superstar on the off season championed, yeah. celebrated for his defense. It's the Minnesota Timberwolves giving up 114 points a game. What? A game. Oh, shout out to Tibbs and his little, Tibbs, uh, what you doing? little stay up, stay up, stay up. Tibbs, Tibbs. Oh. Tibbs gave up everything for basketball. He gives up everything for defensive-minded basketball. Has he got a? I don't even know if he has a family. What the fuck? Can I get a Jimmy? Can I get a job? Can I get a job in the NBA just being Tibbs's lozenge man post game? I, I think you, <laughs> you could get on the on the payroll for that. That's it. To help that's him out, he needs to be met. He screams so much. He's so into every single game, and it worked with the Bulls, and it is not working at all with the Timberwolves. 
Yeah, that it's not pretty. Uh, and Jimmy is not there yet. Like uh, the the fit isn't there yet. They played an incredibly entertaining game um, a few days back uh, against Oklahoma City that they won right at the buzzer, and that was kind of fun. But I, I believe the game ended with Jimmy on the bench. Like, Wiggins took that game-winning shot, and Wiggins yeah. kind of looked like the guy down the stretch. So I still think, um, you know, we talked about chemistry issues that could have popped up with multiple superstars in Oklahoma. But, um, you know... With if you're going to lose to teams like Detroit, you're going to lose to teams like Indiana, and you're going to give up. You know, in their last their last three games, they've given up 122, 130, and 113 points. Um, they have a lot of work to do to get to where Tibbs would want them, I'd imagine, and to you know reach their potential. This was an exciting prospect in the off season. Carl Anthony yeah, Towns it's... having someone someone else, another piece around him, was an exciting prospect. Tibbs and Jimmy being reunited, exciting, but this is surprisingly bad. Yeah, and I don't know why they're so bad on defense. Um, it's a surprise, that's for sure. And I, I hope that uh, for Tibbs' sake that uh, they can work something out because despite all their crapness on defense, they still are only two and three. Um, they're not appalling, uh, one of the things I would say is they are currently second last in rebounds per game. Wow. Um, and and they are dead last in defensive rebounds per game. I don't know whether this is contributing to uh, their defensive horribleness and crapness, uh, but and I haven't seen enough of them to see this, but if you are second last in defensive rebounds per game and you're not finishing off defensive possessions, then that might be a reason why. Okay, your number three biggest surprise of the year so far. My number three, and it goes on to the uh, fun aspect of uh, some former Nets that uh, or Nets that you were talking about, and it's a, it's a bit of a cheat because it's two players and I'm probably going to cheat when we do these top five lists, so get ready for it. But oh, I'm allowed beard to. scratch as well is getting my anticipation going. Yeah, exactly. Um, D'Angelo Russell and Nick Young. Mm. <laughs> the last time we <laughs> talked about D'Angelo Russell and Nick Young was for less positive uh, moments. Correct. Uh, yes, so we won't be filming each other right now. But if anyone wants to look up D'Angelo Russell and Nick Young, you'll have a short 30 seconds good uh, procrastination. But both of them are absolutely balling. Uh, D'Angelo Russell is, with Jeremy Lin out now, is the lead ball handler at the Nets and leading their offense in a way that we did not predict. And Nick Young coming off the bench for the Warriors, he looks like he loves playing basketball more than anyone else. He, he's the only one playing with the kind of joy that you're used to seeing from that team, right? Like the giddy, cheeky, let's get the crowd hype, let's, let's hit some big shots. Like he's bringing that. Yeah, and it's amazing. And I'm just, I'm just happy for D'Angelo Russell to get into a good, good situation away from the Lakers. Mm. Um, and look, he's, He's at 23 points per game and he's shooting well and he's getting teammates involved and he's being efficient and he's leading his team to wins and uh, I hope it keeps going. And Nick Young, you know what, the more the more fun swaggy P we can have, uh, the better <laughs> because, um, look, I mean, he's really, he's really only had two decent games uh, and even one of them he hit 13 points off the bench against Dallas. Um, but look, this is the Nick Young show. It's 23, 3, 0, 13, and a 0. So, you know, that's the kind of up and down nature of Nick Young. But he's having fun, and he's my number three. Him and D'Angelo Russell are my number three surprise of the early season. I mean, and this is fun. Uh, my second surprise, or oh, my second uh, biggest surprise of the season so far, uh, and if you'll allow me to be a little bit of a homer, is Al Horford? Oh, so can we can we combine? Because uh, my number two is also Celtics related. Should we combine our yeah, surprises yeah. here? 
Well, sure. Look, let me quickly just say, let's not forget the Celtics lost four out of their five starters uh, from a team that went the one seed. The last remaining starter, Al Horford, has kind of provided the glue, the consistency, the leadership that you'd be looking for. And he's actually shutting people down on defense. Like Porzingis was quiet against Horford. I know that Giannis had a big game today, but he was quieter with the help of Al Horford. And Horford, in the meantime, has gone and put up you know, 27, 9, and 4. Remained the best passing, highest assist rate big man in the league. And yeah. has kind of become the player that I think Danny Ainge would have wanted when he offered him a max contract a few summers ago. Yeah, a player you would have wanted in the Eastern Conference Finals last year. Desperately. Yeah. Um, look, I appreciate Al's game so far. He's been awesome. Um, and he's added a little touch of uh, hitting 33% of his threes, which I'd be happy with. If he can do that, um, on top of his all-round awesome play at the moment, uh, that's a big, a big win for you guys. And I'd like to combine my one because my number two is the Boston Wings. Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, and... Throw in a little bit of, let me get this correct, Semi Ojolai. Oh, Semi Ojolai. Yeah, Semi Ojolai, um, who I just watched again today versus Giannis, and his defense is uh, on par with uh, rookie Jimmy Butler versus Carmelo. <laughs> I remember watching rookie Jimmy Butler versus Carmelo and LeBron and all these powerful scorers in the East, and seeing a guy that was unbeatable and uh, Semi was making me very, very hard. Um, so, As only yeah, good Jaylen, defenders can do. As only good defenders can do. But Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are the two that have led your team. And um, they have become the first Celtics duo to ever score 20-plus points in a game at 21 years old or younger. In history, team history for the Celtics. And much more than Kyrie, those two have really been the ones setting the tone on offense. Um, Tatum especially, I mean, oh, yeah. uh, he had his very first NBA shot, a layup blocked the shit out of by LeBron. But after that, he came up and he put, I think, around 15 points up in his debut against the Cavs. He's, he's kind of backed it up, regularly attacking the basket, shooting through the ball with confidence, hitting the three-pointers at a nice clip. And Jalen Brown actually, you know, looks like um, looks like a genuine third pick, right? He was a number three yeah. pick in a, in, a, in a reasonably highly thought of draft. Ainge got a lot of shit for drafting Jalen Brown at that spot, but he's looking good and he's extraordinarily uh, versatile on defense. Like he's guarding all five positions these days and he, he's getting his confidence up, which is good to see. Yeah, and I'm, I'm worried about uh, facing them if I was another Eastern Conference team because if they're playing 35 minutes plus per game and shooting the way they're shooting at the moment, which I think is a combined 40% from three, and a combined fi- almost 50% from the field for both of them. And the way they are on the boards, how athletic they are, how long they are, how active they are on defense. Um, they're even getting our or your number two surprise, Al Horford, to praise them so early on. Um, yeah. And it's, it's not something you wanted with Hayward Al, but they're going to have to grow up real, really, really quick. And so far they have. Yeah, and to their credit, they've not been like lazy and they've taken accountability. They're not kind of been like, oh, look, we've got two guys under 22 starting for us now. Poor us. Like they kind of got on with the job. They lost their first two games, have now won their next three. And that's what you'd expect from a Brad Stevens coach team that still has so much talent uh, on the roster. And I love your front court of JJ and L. Um, I just think it's, uh, I just enjoy that. I just want to have a little bit of fun with that, considering I hate your team anyway. Yes, thank you. Um, um, but, but yeah, that's our, that's our number two. Our number two is the Celtics, basically. Celtics front court is our number two surprise, which has been awesome. My, uh, my next surprise is actually going to be my one honorable mention. I want to get it out of the way now. Yes. Uh, so honorable mention surprise 
is something we, we should have known before the season started, but I've only just seen this week. And that's that the oldest team in the NBA by average age is the Cleveland Cavaliers. They're 30.1 years old. And what I'm just very scared for nameless, faceless GM because when LeBron sees that number, he's like, I got to get the fuck out of here. Those guys are old. And they just traded. Who did they just get rid of? What veteran did they just dump? Uh, we should know this, shouldn't we? RJ. They just got rid yeah. of Richard Jefferson, yet they're still the oldest team in the NBA. That is messed up and that is surprising. Yeah, and it shows because they don't try on defense for the first, let's see, 82 games of the season. Well, it's kind I mean, of like it's kind of like yeah. the older blokes. You know how like young kids will uh, on a big night out, they'll do the pre-drinks, right? They'll have a yeah. gathering. You know, they'll yeah. they you know they'll get the, you know the the guys or the girls over. The music's on. The pizzas are delivered, and they uh, they start early because they're committed to having a big night. What do the old blokes do? They rock up, order a couple of pints, have a flirt, and go home. And that's what the Cavs are. They're the old bloke at the pub, rocking up late, trying to capitalise off everyone else, building up the vibe and doing the hard work. Yeah, they're just finishing off the night a lot stronger than everyone else starts it. That's right. And, you know, with age comes, you know, the stamina. And wisdom. And wisdom. You know when to take your shots. Literal or figurative. Yeah, they also have the best fucking basketball player on the planet. So that also helps. It's kind of like rocking up to the party with a celebrity everywhere you go. It's kind yeah. of an instant party starter. Yeah. Or just, you know, they're rocking up to the party and they know they've got the biggest stick in the room. Yes. They, look, the, the Cavs continue. Well, I think Golden State would, would want to have a word about that. The biggest stick in the room. You know, look, that's tough. But yeah. we can debate that another time. Have you got any honorable mentions for your top five? NBA surprises. I do have an honourable mention. Uh, it is going to be uh, just a very small one, and it's the current roster of the Lakers. Um, and I think the Ingram, Randall, Lonzo Ball, Jordan Clarkson off the bench, um, pretty good. They're pretty fun. They, they're a little bit up and down and crazy and they have no idea what they're doing or how they're playing just yet and they'll they'll get it in time but um either they're going to be good in a few years or they're going to have the chance to trade away some of those assets um because ingram started to show a few signs i know he looks okay and yeah and randall started to show a few signs as well they've both started to show something um and obviously alonzo ball has started okay um even though they've already started putting him off point guards on defense, which I don't understand. But, you know, they tried to hide him from John Wall even in that win against the Wizards. Which I don't think is necessary. He has very good length. He's got active hands. Yeah. And I saw him I saw him go up against Wall and he looked good. I don't know why you'd want to hide that guy. I'd try to get him as yeah. many, ex- like, expose him to as many possessions as you can as soon as possible. Yeah, but they're, they're my honorable mention. Sensational. Well, my number one, early season... NBA surprise has been generously uh, generously stolen from you, Adam G. You passed these numbers along to me because they are astonishing. But Andre Drummond, who for his yeah, career, big man. a career below 40% shooter, has yep. taken From 18, the free throw line. That's right, from the free throw line. So, you know, the last five seasons... You mentioned 37%, 41%, 38%, 35%, 38%. Very consistently bad from the free throw line. Well, yeah. astonishingly, Andre Drummond has taken 18 free throws so far this year. And he's made 13 of them. That's good for 72%. And don't go telling me that, that anyone's a lost cause in this league anymore. I saw DeAndre Jordan make the four, uh, first four free throws of the season. I've seen Andre Drummond shoot 72% after three or four games. My man, you are the most surprising and hope-restoring thing I've seen in the NBA this season. 
Never give up hope, kids out there. Keep shooting. Keep trying to find your stroke. And maybe one day you too can be like Andre Drummond with a small sample size shooting okay. Does that mean that you still have hope for me and my free throw shooting? Uh, I think I, I recall that 0 for 8 game. Uh, yeah. <laughs> where I, I, I'm pretty sure I might have uh, almost lost us that game, uh, going 0 for 8 from the free throw line. I do have to admit, though, you did a great job at uh, drawing the fouls in the first place, which is much oh, harder. Yeah, I was, you know. I was great at that, but what I really should have done is uh, pretended to be injured and therefore let someone else take them. Shout out to Brookie, who should have taken them for me. Shout out to Ben uh, Look, I, I've, held, I've got hope that maybe one day I'll be able to hit a free throw as well after seeing Andre Drummond. Uh, so I love you, number hope. one. He's given me hope in all all different parts of my life. So thank you, Andre, for yeah. for this beautifully small, kind of vaguely league average sample size. Thank <laughs> you, Adam G. Go ahead, my number one. And I am putting on my Bulls pajamas, and I'm going full Homer, and I am absolutely blowing the lid off. Oh no! And Lord. I'm going <laughs> over the top excited. And we have a future uh, scoring leading champ on offer, and it's Laurie Markinen. Laurie. He is my absolute number one, and holy fuck am I excited as a Bulls fan. Who would have thought? Did you think you could ever be this excited about a Finnish athlete? No, never. Uh, I, yeah, uh, well, there was once a Liverpool uh, football player, um, Sammy Hippier, who was just as big, almost as big and tall, but uh, it, was, it wasn't quite exciting. It was more very solid. Very solid, uh, but Laurie, he's bringing the good... Holy tell, shit. T- tell us is. the story of Laurie. This is a rookie. This is something, someone that not a lot of people pinned much on. Like, fill us in. Oh, selected seventh in the draft last year, and we received the draft pick from the Timberwolves. Um Born in the same month that I am in May, so you know we have that a little bit of a connection there. Right. Uh, only twenty years old, seven foot, a very skinny two hundred and thirty pounds, which I absolutely think is bullshit. He looks like a very much a two hundred pound to two hundred and ten pound seven foot forward uh, and center, but he has just absolutely lit up at the start. Uh, compared to both everyone's expectations, my expectations included, and also some of the opponents he's gone against. And the Bulls have managed to face Toronto twice, San Antonio, Cleveland, and Atlanta. And Laurie Markkinen is now at 34 minutes per game, hitting 45% from the field and 45% from three on seven attempts per game from the three-point line. Wow. While still somehow getting nine rebounds per game and for a slightly poor, slightly unorthodox, slightly dumb uh, defender at the moment, he's only he's only collecting two fouls per game, which for a rookie yes. is quite... For a rookie big man who is genuinely weak, he, he has shown in one-on-one down low on the block that... He is not 230 pounds, and he's very, very weak and light. But to only collect two fouls a game has been awesome for him. Hey, 16 points a game, nine rebounds a game. I'm very excited. Yeah, and like that's something rookies notoriously struggle with. They draw so many fouls, and he's a big guy. He's in the guts of it, and to only average two fouls a game in a small sample size, very yeah, impressive. The other thing I wanted to note... Well, two things. Number one, do you think this makes up for Paul Zipser? Uh, it doesn't make up for Paul Zipser because we still have to have Paul Zipser in our oh, I do. Yeah, uh, in our rotation. Point. That's a good point. You do still have to. So we still have to hear the Bulls commentators talking about Paul Zipser, and he's still starting, by the way, um, which might not happen when Zach Levine is fully back and fit and strong. But for the moment, we still have to live with Paul Zipser. Um, but look, uh, Laurie Markkinen, I've seen him pick and pop as in a little two-man game uh, like Dirk. 
and I know I should find a non uh, European white, white guy, guy yeah. comparison, but the pick and pop game that he's got with any ball handler is he runs very smoothly and he times it very well. And if you give him space, he can actually attack the basket and he's actually dunked on a few guys. Um, he looks like Dirk. The way he plays. He's just... <laughs> you just broke your own role. All right, idiot. All right, all right. All right. Well, look, the, the last thing I wanted to add, and we'll end on this, is that Laurie Markinen, uh, listeners, pull up your official NBA app because so underrated was this motherfucking guy. <laughs> he doesn't even have a photo in the fucking app. Like he's got a. He's got it was the generic, seventh overall. He's he's got the generic. He's got the generic Facebook profile, just like outline of a head. That's uh, oh. that's all they offered the Finnish phenom, as as I'm gonna phenom. call him for the rest of the day. All right, Adam G. Well, good fucking session. Two weeks in a row, we're back. Thanks we're everyone back. for listening. Thank you for spending the time with me, Adam G. A pleasure right. as always. Bulls are back. We're one and three. Laurie's back, and we are on our way to the playoffs, Adam okay, B. Okay, okay, okay. Well, I'm going to douse that out, and uh, have a good weekend, everyone. We'll speak to you soon. Thank you, Adam G. Thank you, Adam B.